following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. If you would go ahead then and pass those buckets and, and pass in those connection cards, also be receiving the offering. We have multiple ways that you can give for, at your convenience. Um, so just so you know, again, we just really love you guys and thank you for always being so generous. God always works through his children. Amen. Amen. All right, once those buckets get by, why don't you stand up? We're going to start out the new year right by making faith declarations. How many of you in 2017 are going to be better at speaking life than you were at 2016? Amen. Man, that's our prayer for you that, man, you will just be so filled with life. You'll speak life, declare life over you, over your family, over situations. I'm telling you, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. And so, man, it's a, it's a very powerful part of our lives. And so we like to begin by making some declarations. So let's make these declarations together. Y'all ready? God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now, because of what Christ has done, I am highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. You believe that today? Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, verse 1. In the 1991 hit comedy City Slickers, Curly... A rough and tough cowboy played by Jack Palance. Y'all remember Jack Palance? Was he not perfect for that part? I mean, he just was leathery and rough and tough cowboy. Told Mitch, the city slicker cowboy played by Billy Crystal, that the the essence of life, the the meaning for your life is discovered by discovering one thing. Mitch asked Curly, well, what is that? And Curly told him, you've got to discover that for yourself. I think it's pretty good at the beginning of the year for us to discover what is our one thing see collectively as, as children of God we all have one thing that really is the one thing but even inside of that we in our individual lives have a one thing that you are unique that you are amazing you there is not another you anywhere now, I know some of you are thinking thank God but in reality thank God because you're unique it's awesome I mean, you really are. You're, you're, you're a 10 at something. In fact, one of the things that we do as a church is our heart's desire is for you to discover what your personal one thing is. In fact, that's why we do the growth track. And you're in luck because guess what? It's starting right after today's service again. Step one of knowing God, beginning the whole process. There's a four-step process that is incredibly simple for you to understand and discover your purpose. I want to echo what what Laura said earlier. What are y'all waiting on? I mean, honestly, it's awesome to discover what your one thing is. And that's what we want to do is help you discover what your one thing is. Because listen to this. There are an endless supply of things and activities that are constantly vying for your attention. I don't know if you can remember um, back, some of you this will really be harder, can remember back even 20 years ago, okay, for some of you 10 years ago, look around here, some of you 30 or 40 years ago can remember back that far. If you can think about somebody coming from that time being transferred to today, don't you think it would be overwhelming? The amount of information alone that we are bombarded with moment by moment. Our phones that are buzzing all the time through meetings. Occasionally, 
um, during staff meetings, I have to ask my staff to put their phones away because otherwise they'll spend the whole time going. <laughs> Sometimes when we go out as a family, I'll just pick up the phones. I'll say, all right, turn them in. So here's the deal. You all can talk on your phone if you want, but you're buying your own meal or you can turn in your phones and I'm buying your meal today because we're so bombarded by so much information. There are so many things that are actually calling for our attention that are trying to distract us they're, they're trying to make that thing in that moment the one thing in our life. Yeah, right. See, life is all about priorities. It's constantly about rearranging our priorities because as hard as we try, even as focused as we actually can be, our priorities get out of whack all the time. Sometimes it happens with work. We get really busy with work where work becomes a priority instead of our family. Just so you know, that is the priority. Your family is a higher priority than your work. Sometimes with God, our work becomes a higher priority than God. And what we do is like the first time through this the skit that you saw in the video is we try to fit God into our lives at the end. We do all the busy things and then we're going, okay, yeah, let me try to work God in now and God doesn't seem to quite fit. But if you'll start off with God... Make him your one thing. Start off with him. All the other distractions in your life will begin to either work into your life or they just won't make the cut. Because there's a lot of things that are calling for our attention. Things that are trying to focus away from, again, the most important one thing in our life. Gerter wrote this. Things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. So what is the one thing in your life that by doing it, everything else in your life would either be easier or possibly even unnecessary? Now, just so you know, there's a great book by Gary Keller called One Thing that I think would be a great read at the beginning of the year that would help you understand and discover your one thing and not only understand what it is, but actually it become the one thing that you're focused on in your life. And he asked this question in the book, what is the one thing in your life that by doing it, everything else in your life would either be easier or unnecessary? So what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a few weeks to help you focus on what I believe as children of God is the one thing for your life. And I think most of us really kind of know as followers of Jesus Christ what it is. It seems pretty self-evident that our one thing should be developing and cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, my prayer today that you, is that you did not come here today to hear me preach. That you didn't come here to hear the song service. That you didn't come here, wow, that dated me, the worship service. <laughs> You didn't come here today just to, to kind of see who's here. You came to connect with Jesus. To understand that we are the body of Christ. That when we get together, God begins to speak through a variety of people as we get together as a body of Christ. We have God encounters all the time. You're having one now as the word is being preached, but they're literally happening all the time. I mentioned earlier that, man, this weekend I'm getting kind of just dealing with some stuff, working through some stuff, and again, I started speaking words of life over myself last night, so man, finally got freedom, again, fighting the good fight of faith, but I walked in this morning, 
And the worship team was kind of finishing up, so they're standing around, and my wife's talking to them. And my wife is an encourager. My wife is a party waiting to happen. She is somebody that is so positive and so faithful. And so I just kind of walked up and stood up there, and she began talking about, man, 2017 is going to be awesome. Y'all better buckle up and get ready, man. It's going to be incredible. And I'm starting going, whoa, come on, sister, preach it. I'm serious. It began to really stir up something inside of me. Listen, here's what the enemy wants to do is distract you. Keep you out of the body of Christ so that you go through life dealing with some heaviness and some depression and some anxiety. So you think, you know what? I'm just too down today. I can't go to church. Listen, the time that you're down is the time you need to be at church more than ever. The time when you're just struggling and you have failed and missed the mark miserably is the moment you need to run into the presence of God and allow God to touch your life. Things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. So what is the one thing in your life? Again, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'd like to take just a few minutes today, hyperbole speaking there, um, I would like to take just a few minutes today to talk to you about the issue of prayer. And in fact, we're, we're launching a church-wide initiative of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, if you don't understand what that means, for, the, for some of you, we're doing an all-skate. All right? Now, some of you are like me when you went to the skating rink as a kid and they did the little moonlight thing where you could get a date and go around and skate with somebody. Y'all remember that? I always stood on the sidelines for that. I never had a date. I'd just kind of stand there waiting, okay, when are they going to be done with this? And as soon as they get done, what would they say? It's time for an all-skate. So everyone would get out. We'd listen to Eddie Rabbit. I love a rainy night, you know. The only secular songs my wife knows are from the skating rink. So we'd get out there. We'd do an all-skate. So what we're doing is we're doing an all-skate. We're doing a church-wide initiative of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, that can feel a little bit overwhelming, Pastor Richie, are you asking me to take off for 21 days and I'm not going to eat anything for 21 days? No, listen, everyone can participate in whatever level you're at. In fact, here, let me give you some ideas of some things that you can do. First of all, you notice you had a little card on your thing that is a, a sign-up sheet. Just all you're saying in that is that I want to participate. It's not an accountability thing. We're not going to be texting you every day. Did you pray today? Did you pray today? Next day, did you pray today? We're not, we're not going to be doing any of that. We're going to just send you a prayer focus that's going to be involved in the church via email. And we want to encourage you just any time that you feel led, just pray over that. You miss it, that's okay. It really is. But we're all going to participate. Another thing that you can do is wear the bracelet. You were handed a bracelet when you came in, 21 days of prayer. I got mine on right here. Listen, if you didn't get one, they'll be available at the back. But every time you see that, just, just remind yourself, hey, we're praying as a congregation right now. This, Lord, just thank you, Father, that you're for me today. Lord, thank you that, that you love me with an everlasting love. See, sometimes we make prayer so ritualistic, but just as you're walking around, look at that bracelet and just begin to pray. Possibly you can come up during your lunch hour from 1130 to 1230. We're going to open up the sanctuary for us to have a time of corporate prayer together. We're going to give you a, an outline of what we're going to be praying about. And it's going to be just a great time. You can kind of come and go. You don't, uh, we're not going to make you pray in front of a mic or anything. You can come sit down and pray. You can walk and pray, kneel and pray, however you want to pray. But we're going to be praying from 1130 to 1230, Monday through Saturday, right here in the sanctuary. Also, you might want to consider fasting um, some during the next 21 days. Now, there are some of you that you're pretty hardcore about this. You say, man, I, I want to fast all 21 days. I'm not going to eat a thing. Man, awesome. For those of you that can do that, God bless you, seriously. 
But for the rest of us, we might just want to fast a, a meal here or a meal there. You might want to fast TV. You might want to fast social media. Well, all that you're doing is you're setting aside some things that are distracting you so you can take a 21-day period, beginning of the year, say, God, I want you to be the first priority of my life. What our hearts desire in this is for this not to be a bondage and a weight to you. I grew up where 21 days of prayer and fasting was a very legalistic thing. In fact, even still today, I was telling the staff this past couple of weeks, every time I even say it, I feel a little bit of a heaviness because I feel all this responsibility of I've got to do something, but that's not what we're asking. What we're asking is you just to set aside something, set aside some time to say, God, I want to really connect with you at the beginning of this year. God, I want to put you in first priority of my life. Listen. If we set aside the, the first part of the year, we're going to set aside our hearts on the things of God. We're going to refocus our lives. And when you give God first and best, the rest is blessed. It's an incredibly powerful spiritual principle. When you give first to God, the rest is blessed. So let's pray. All right? All skate church-wide initiative for the next 21 days. In fact, we're going to end it on the 22nd with a night of worship. Um, that night, it's going to be an awesome time. I believe God is going to do some supernatural things in your life. Your life will be changed when you encounter God. So wouldn't it be nice if we could just talk to Jesus right now? He walked in the room and we could just ask him, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Because unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel like they know how to pray, and so they feel intimidated by praying. And so the, the, the amazing thing is this actually happened in the Bible. The disciples came to Jesus. They had observed and watched Jesus praying, so they came to him, and they said, teach us how to pray. And here's what it says if you're there in your Bible in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples and he said to them when you pray say and I, I love Jesus answer because he doesn't say here are some rituals that you need to perform because unfortunately even doing godly things can become fleshly things they can become work-oriented, where we're doing something to try to get God to do something. And we become so legalistic sometimes, even about early morning prayer, that we think the sacred time is 6 o'clock in the morning. That if you pray at 6 o'clock. Listen, if you're disciplined, that's awesome. Just don't make it a ritual. Don't make it where it's lifeless and you're just sitting up all the time griping and complaining about the fact that you're having to pray. Don't Notice also that Jesus didn't give us methods. He, he didn't really say that you have to kneel when you pray, that you can walk when you pray, you can stand when you pray. I like to pray out loud. The reason is, is because if I don't, my mind starts getting distracted. So I pray out loud all the time. He, he's, he's bringing, though, them into a conversation, and he's showing them how to pray. And here's what he says. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I, when I was praying that prayer, I saw many of you kind of mouthing it with, with me. Because earlier when I was reading, I was reading from the New International Version. But when I quoted, I have to go old school, King James. Right? I mean, King Jimmy, man, he's, that's how Jesus talked, right? Man, and, and so that's the way, though, that I was taught. Because, see... 
When I was growing up, there were basically three prayers that I was taught growing up. The first one was taught was um, the Lord's Prayer. And my parents wanted me to learn how to communicate with God. So we would begin our day by saying the Lord's Prayer. Or whenever there was a need, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Whenever a storm was coming and it was going to blow down the house, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In fact, have you ever noticed on movies when there's a bad situation, that if they're praying, that's typically what they're praying. They're praying the Lord's Prayer. There was the, the mealtime prayer, which was God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. Amen. Growing up, that's the prayer I always prayed growing up. In fact, I heard a story once about a family of six kids, and the youngest one got asked to pray. He was tired of praying the same prayer. So he said, God, thank you for this food. Amen. His older brother looked at him and goes, ah, you just made that up. <laughs> right? Because we have a tendency to think of prayers as a formula rather than really just a conversation with God. So there was the Lord's Prayer, there was the mealtime prayer, and then there was the bedtime prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Moms and dads, if you're praying that with your kids just before they go to bed, I want to encourage you to stop. (laughs) The last thing that they should not hear is, if I should die before I wake. (laughs) Right? Man, that's going to just totally freak them out. And then there's the other line, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Like it's still in question. Right? Again, the way I was raised, oh man, I'm hoping I'm still saved, right? But those were my first prayers. And, and what I quickly discovered about my first prayers is that they really weren't genuine prayers. They were about a religious communication with God. Out of rote memory, out of dis, dysfunction or, or disconnectedness. And, and I really did feel disconnected with God. In fact, because of that, when I read the word of God, I always felt like God was talking at me. And so when I prayed to him, I felt like I was talking at him. Now, for those of you that are trying to wrap your mind around that, think about how you, when you're having a discussion with your spouse and you're talking to them about something, you're typically talking at each other. You're really not connecting about the issue, and you're really not communicating. And that's how I felt with God. I felt like there wasn't really a relationship in this connected, uh, connectedness. There was just a, a, a dead conversation. Then in the late 80s, Larry Lee came out with his book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? If you've never read that book, it's a great book. I would encourage you to go read that. But it's all about the Lord's Prayer. And it really wasn't about praying for an hour. Okay, because some people, again, would take that and, all right, Lord, thank you for today. And an hour later, all right, I'm done. It it really wasn't about an hour. It was about getting connected with those words of Jesus. And and so those those words of Jesus actually became life to me. They, They actually moved from being this distant God talking at me to suddenly there became a connectedness with it. And I allowed the words of Jesus in that prayer to form and inform my life. So instead of Jesus being one of the many things in my life, he became the one thing in my life. See, prayer is just a conversation with someone. You're just talking to God. You're just expressing to him things that are going on in your life. Now I understand what God's word says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Listen, the God that we serve really is longing to say yes to your prayers. Let me say that again because I know that tweaks a religious bone in some of you. The God we serve really is longing to say yes to your prayers. In fact, yes becomes the dominant answer in our conversations with God. Now the reason why I have to say this this morning is because many of us had spiritual people in our lives that would tell us God always answers prayers, but it's yes, no, and later. And the way they would explain it to us is like all three of those are equal in what God wants to do. That depending on how I've been, depending on how God is going to respond to me. So if I've been good, God wants to say yes. If I've been bad, he wants to say no. If he's a little bit indifferent towards me, it's later. Let me just see if you really want this or need this in your life. Come on, you know what I'm saying. And it becomes the heart of us. Rather than understanding that the dominant answer that God wants to give into our lives is he wants to say a resounding yes. Listen, sometimes he says no. Do you know why he says no? Because it's not good for us. We think that we know what's good for us, but God actually knows what's good for us. When I was in Bible school, there were a couple of girls that I just knew she was the one, right? I'm thankful that God said no. Amen, sister? <laughs> Want to make sure she was on the same page with me. I'm thankful that God said no to that. Listen, and sometimes God says later because we're not ready for it yet. Listen, God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. He's more concerned about your destiny in your life than life just living on easy street in your life. He wants you to know that his answer predominantly towards you is yes. And when you know that, you want to pray to God. But if you feel like he's a God that needs to be on Prozac, you're unsure if you can actually go and talk to him because you don't know what mood he is in that day. He loves you. His answer towards you is predominantly yes. But here's the thing. His heart towards us is yes because he wants us to pray not just for stuff. He wants us to learn how to connect with him and have a relationship with him. Listen, some of you have had some people in your life that the only reason why they were in your life was to get something from you. You you love those people that never call you and never talk to you, and then they say, hey, we're having a meeting over at my house tomorrow night. we got some few friends coming over. Do you want to come over? Listen, my kids, I'm so thankful that my kids, they come to me out of a relationship. When My 23-year-old son still comes and hugs me and sits on my lap. Pretty awesome, honestly. My 19-year-old son still does that. And listen, sometimes when they're sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, what do they want, right? What do they need? And sometimes they ask me for stuff, and that's okay. But you know, most of the time, they're just there to love on me. Because it's about relationship. God doesn't want us just asking for more stuff. He wants us to develop a prayer life that is about a relationship with him. Because listen, honestly, most of the world prays. People of other religions pray. Buddhists pray. Muslims pray. And and Christians pray. And when Christians typically pray, it's typically out of need or desperation that we go to God in prayer. Haven't really connected with you, God, in a long time, but my life's falling apart. So, hey, God, can you help me out? God, I need something from you. Can, Can you help me out? But listen, it's only when you pray and connect with God that prayer really changes you And then it changes your world. 
It's the, it's the most amazing thing in the world because most of the time when I pray, I'm really believing that God needs to fix something else when really God's saying, I really need to fix you. I really need to change some things about you. Again, God is not as interested in our comfort as he is our character. So somehow the disciples that Jesus saw this, that he had this one thing going on, this connectedness with his heavenly father that was extraordinary. There was a conversation going on that was affecting their reality. See, they were walking with Jesus, saw him conversing with his father, and miracles were showing up. Do you realize that God wants miracles showing up in our lives all the time? He does, but again, we get satisfied with just being on the team. I just made it. I, you know, I'm not even really wearing the jersey most of the time, and I'm sitting on the bench. God, God wants us to get like that song we sang earlier. He wants us to get off the shore, and he wants us to get into the water of his love so that God has to do some supernatural things in our life, that we have to trust him to fix our marriage, that we have to trust him, trust him to fix our finances. He wants to do some supernatural things in our life. They saw this, that, 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 that prayer life was affecting their reality. Because, again, when you seek first the one thing, all the other things are added unto you. Amen. See, it's really quite simple, and the disciples saw it. So they went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. We want to we know how this thing works. We want to know how to get connected with God himself, just like you. So Jesus takes them into this narrative, into this conversation with God that you and I need to embrace to be a part of, but only if we're interested in putting Jesus as the one thing in our life. Amen. So he begins with our Father, which art in heaven. And again, I think it's critical because Jesus is showing us that if we're going to learn how to pray in such a way that it actually matters in our lives, it begins with a relationship at the core. This is hard for us sometimes because some of you don't have a very good relationship with your father or with other people. And so the word relationship is a little scary to you. But God wants you to know that he loves you with an everlasting love. He's always for you. He's never disappointed because you've never missed an appointment. You never did one thing. You have never done anything. However, he's correct English in on saying that. You've never done anything that has took God by surprise. It's never taken him by surprise, ever. It begins with the relationship at the core because it can't be about routine. It can't be about ritual. It can't even be about doctrine or belief. It has to be about a relationship. Because again, I'm, I'm afraid that too often the only time that we really pray is when we're trying to figure out how to get stuff from God. Or when we're trying to get God to help us out of some trouble that we've gotten ourselves into or someone else has gotten us into. And listen, that's okay. That really is okay to go to God in prayer with those things. But our conversations with God, it needs to be based in relationship. To understand his heart, to be so connected with him. So when Jesus begins with our Father which art in heaven, what he's saying is that, that the prayer that makes a difference in the world is when you connect and reconnect with God as your Father. And I say connect and reconnect because for all of us, it's so easy for us to be connected with God, even in a moment like this. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us, and we're connecting, and we're saying, yes, God, I want you first place in my life. God, I, put, I want you to be the one thing. And then we walk out, and life starts coming at us really fast, and suddenly we're distracted, and other things are the priority, and we're only connecting with God on Sundays. 
We're only working him into that 70 minutes, 75 minutes, 80 minutes, whatever it is we have during the service today. We're only working him into those little times in our life, and then we go like that's something that we've did and we're done with, and now let's walk out and live life. And what God's saying is, look, I want to walk with you all day long. I want to talk with you all day long. I want to help you all day long. I read once that Smith Wigglesworth, he was a, a great evangelist back near, nearly 100 years ago, that he said, I don't pray more than 30 minutes, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. Because it's just about being connected with God all the time. You're about ready to walk into a meeting and you know that you've got to deal with an employer. You've got to deal with your boss and things have been a little tense. You can just start praying, God, thank you. That, Lord, he is not my source. This job is not my source. Lord, that I'm trusting in you. And, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, I want to make sure that I make this right. So, Father, help me to have a heart that's repentant right now as I walk in here. Just prayers like that ongoing in our lives that are connecting us with the heart of God and God's heart being connected with us. See, when you really get the revelation that you were created by God to be his son or to be his daughter, that you were intended to live as sons and daughters of the Most High God, to relate with him in a relationship with your Heavenly Father. When you put and get into that relationship with your Heavenly Father as the one thing in your life, it changes everything. It really does. It changes you. It changes your environment, and it changes your situation. It literally changes everything about you. Trust me in this. Listen, you cannot have an intimate and a personal relationship with God without it changing you. See, it's not about behavior modification. In fact, it's not, not even about New Year's resolutions. You know, we're kind of good at that. Beginning of the year, okay, this is going to be the year I'm going to do this. It's about getting connected with the heart of God, understanding the heart of God, understanding his love for you, understanding his word, that you start praying his word, you start believing his word, you start walking in his word, you start trusting his word, and suddenly you're going to find anger issues, lustful thoughts, you're going to find fear issues, anything that you're struggling with, you're going to find those things all of a sudden falling off of you. Because your belief system is changing, and because your belief system is changing, it's changing you on the inside, and it's changing everything about you. It's when you connect with the heart of your Father. So why not start out 2017 right? Put first things first in your life. Make, make a few adjustments in your life. That's typically what change in life really is. It's not about becoming super disciplined or, or now if you can just do all of the right things, but it's just about making some adjustment, positioning yourself to have a relationship with God. Prioritize Him in the morning instead of other things. When you get up in the morning, if, is the first thing that you check out your Facebook status or what someone else is saying? Why not check out God's Facebook status? Find out what he's saying to you. Get into the word. Let his word get into you. Instead of texting people and start, you know, beginning your day, why not just take a moment just to say, God, I want to thank you today that you love me with an everlasting love. God, I want to thank you that you're for me. God, that today I know I'm going to face some challenges or I know there may some be some challenges that are going to arise in my life. But Lord, today my confidence is in you. I'm trusting you with my marriage. I'm trusting you with my finances. I'm telling you, you're going to set your entire day right. That's why James says that the tongue is, is like a rudder on a ship, that you're steering your life in a direction. If you don't like the direction you're going, start speaking in a dif different direction. Start speaking words of life. So position yourself. 
beginning of the year to have a right relationship with God. So here's what we want to ask you to do, to take the next 21 days. I know, man, some of you are thinking 21 days, that's a long time. I promise you, it's going to fly by like this. If you'd come back 21 days, I'd snap my finger and that's how long it would take. It's actually going to be more like that. It really is going to go pretty fast. Sorry. Take the next 21 days to be focused with us as a church on the issue of prayer and fasting. I know some of you are saying, Richie, man, I can't do that. Listen, everyone can do something. Every one of us can participate. You can participate at some level. Listen, if you're just starting out in prayer, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Sign up for that prayer focus. You can go ahead and fill out that card again. We're not going to hold you accountable for anything. It's just we're going to send you a daily prayer focus email kind of reminding you what we're praying over. You miss it, it's okay. It really is. But sign up. Start there. You can take a wristband. Again, when you're walking around, be praying. Maybe you've read the prayer focus earlier, and now you're remembering, oh, today we're praying for our missionaries, or today, hey, we're praying out for our outreach into the community. So, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take just a moment while I'm walking into this next meeting, or as I'm driving in my car, you can pray. You can join us here from 1130 to 1230. This is probably, I think, one of the best things that we're going to do because we're going to be corporately praying together. In fact, we're going to have a prayer guide that we're going to give you and kind of things that we're going to be praying through. So if you can kind of work your lunch around that, that would be awesome. If you can't, you can come for five minutes, ten minutes. Um, Again, we won't make you pray on a microphone. You can come in, just be involved in that prayer time. Um, You can also decide that you're going to fast some food. Now again... For those of you that are thinking 21 days without eating, no, just during this 21 days, pick an amount that you believe God is calling you to do, something that you can do. Because again, it's not about the length of time or even the level of sacrifice. It's really about setting aside some busy things, some distractions so that you can really focus on God. So you might want to focus a meal or a couple of meals. You might want to focus a day. You might want to focus, again, television or or, um, social media, but just take some time over the next 21 days to to figure out what God would be saying to you for 21 days, all right? So before we leave today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Jake, just a moment, and and fill out that card if you would. In just a moment, we're going to pick those up. Um, If you don't want to do that it's totally fine you can just drop the card back in also but we'd love for you to be praying with us or participating in it so if you'll take just a minute right now if you've already done that go ahead and fill it out listen if you don't understand everything that we went through because this was like a lot of information you've got a little 21 day can I get one of those 21 day got a little 21 day thing that says what is a 21 days of prayer and fasting everything I just covered is on there so you can take that and participate with us Listen again, I want, I want you to hear this. I believe that God is going to do some supernatural things in our lives individually, first of all, but also collectively. I believe that the spiritual barometer of our church is going to rise during this time, that we're going to go to a whole other dimension in our relationship with God. And it's simply because we're just prioritizing God at the beginning of the year. So, guys, if you would go ahead and pass those buckets. We'll go ahead and, and pick those up. I'm going to pray over this in just a second, so if you would, if it gets to you and you're not quite done, you can just hang on to the bucket, go ahead and fill it out, check any of the boxes that you would like to check um, as far as w- the way you'd like to participate. Again, we're encouraging as an all-skate, and I um, want to really encourage you to participate in that. Hey, I want, to, I want to say it one more time. I believe that God is going to really do some supernatural things in our life. I'm telling you, you, you can't get in touch with God that he will not change your life and so I know again that some of you this may seem new 
may feel overwhelming. We've tried to do everything we could to try to explain this as much as we possibly can. But just to remind you that your prayer life is about having a conversation with God. It's about talking to Him and walking with Him. About reciting His Word over your life so that you really understand and know what His Word means. So if you don't mind, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to pray for This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.